0: Listening To the Central Church Podcast. To learn more about Central Church, including our gathering times, please visit gocentralchurch.org. Today's talk comes from Pastor Ethan Crowder. Hey, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 10, uh, is where we're going to be this morning. Luke chapter 10. And we're going to look at the first three verses there uh, in Luke 10. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the verses on the screen here in just a minute. Uh, But I wonder, we're starting a new series this morning uh, called Who's Your Neighbor? I wonder when you think about uh, a neighbor, when you think about your neighbor, maybe when you just think about the word neighbor, uh, what comes to your mind? Maybe when you hear this question, who's your neighbor? Maybe you think of Mr. Rogers, First, right? Maybe you think of uh, Howdy Neighbors. We were planning for this series. Uh, a couple on our staff said that I should get a cardigan uh, and wear that this morning. Uh, and I said, man, I've got a reputation to uphold, right? Uh, no, I, uh, I would love one. Um, but maybe, maybe when you think about your neighbors, maybe you get intimidated. Or maybe when you think about your neighbors, maybe it's similar to the way I grew up. Uh, I, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, and so my neighbors to the right uh, were my cousins, and my neighbors to the left were half a mile away uh, with big dogs and guns, right? So, so we didn't—I uh, I never met those neighbors. Maybe, maybe when you think about your neighbors, maybe they're close friends. Maybe you've had a really good experience meeting neighbors and building relationships with neighbors. Maybe you haven't had that experience, Maybe you haven't had uh, that experience of becoming really good friends with your neighbors. In fact, maybe it's the opposite. Or maybe when we think about this question of who's your neighbor, maybe you already know kind of where we're going, and that your neighbor isn't simply uh, who lives to the left of you or who lives to the right of you or who lives in front of you or behind you, but your neighbor is whoever you encounter as you live your life. Whoever you encounter as you go. And so uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to study the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to see what does Luke tell us, what does Jesus tell us in the Gospel of Luke about who our neighbors are. You know, here at Central, we're committed uh, to this. We're, we're committed to multiplying disciples, leaders, and churches for our neighbors and The nations, And so if we are going to multiply uh, for our neighbors, uh, then we need to think well about who our neighbors are. And so this morning, we're going to start with first things. And and we're going to think about uh, why should we care about our neighbors? Or even before we jump into caring about our neighbors, uh, what's the first thing we should do? So look with me here at Luke chapter 10. Uh, We're going to start in verse 1. Let me invite you to stand uh, as we honor the reading of God's perfect and precious word here in Luke chapter 10. Starting in verse 1. The Spirit says to us this morning After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. This is God's word. You can be seated. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy this morning. Uh, Thank you that you speak to us through your word. And so, Father, I pray this morning and I pray over the next several weeks that as we consider this question, who's your neighbor? uh, Father, I pray that you would give us hearts that look like your heart. Uh, Father, I pray that that we would love the things that you love, that we would care about the things that you care about, that we would be on the same mission that you are on. Father, I pray that you would bless us through your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, as we look here at Luke chapter 10 and we, uh, we think about these verses that we've just read, what we're gonna see today and what we're gonna see over the next several weeks is this, is that we have been sent to our neighbor's. We have been sent to our neighbors. You and I, we have been sent, we have been placed where we are for a purpose. Have you ever thought about this, that your address isn't an accident? That our God, who is sovereign and powerful enough and in control of creating the heavens and the earth, He is sovereign and He is powerful enough to place you exactly where He would have you. See, your your address, it's not an accident, just like our address here. Uh, Our address here at Central, 3101 West State Road 46, Sanford, Florida. That's not an accident. The Lord has placed us here. He's put us here for a reason. He's put us here for a purpose that that we would be serious about reaching our neighbors in our community, just as he has put you in your neighborhood as well. Now, here in verse 1, Jesus starts out, By saying, or or Luke starts out by kind of narrating this picture for us. He says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others. Now, what is the after this? If we were to go back to Luke chapter nine, Luke chapter nine is kind of the chapter in the Bible that is like the discipleship chapter, right? So when you, you think about discipleship or you think about some of the serious sayings of Jesus, a lot of those are found in Luke chapter nine, but at the beginning of Luke chapter nine, Jesus, he sends out, he commissions his 12 disciples. He sends them to go and to carry the gospel of the kingdom, the good news that the Messiah has come, uh, to cities and towns and villages, uh, wherever they might go. And then he goes through and he, he gives some illustrations about what does it mean to be a disciple, and then who he is, and then Luke chapter 9 ends with Jesus really putting an exclamation point on the urgency of the mission that he has given to his disciples. He says, look, you don't have time to go and bury the dead. You don't have time to turn back and to say goodbye. The mission is urgent. People are perishing. People need Jesus, and so he sends them out. And so after all of that, now we come here to Luke chapter 10 and He's going to send again, but this time instead of sending out the 12 disciples, he's going to send out 72. Now, here's an important thing for us to know about our identity as disciples of Jesus. Our identity as disciples of Jesus is wrapped up in that word sent. Right? That as disciples of Jesus, we have been sent. We haven't been saved to stay, we haven't been saved to remain the same. We have been saved to go, I, I wonder this, how would your life today, how would your relationships with your neighbors today look different if you were not a believer? Would your relationship with your neighbors look any different today than it does now if you had not been saved by Jesus? And so Jesus, he, he sends out these 72, and these 72, these were others in addition to the 12, who had trusted christ and who had counted the cost for discipleship and they they wanted to keep following they wanted to keep going so jesus says if you're going to keep following me if you're going to keep going with me then you are going to go you're going to be about what i am about now we might expect jesus to give training on what to say we might expect Jesus to kind of give an evangelism course. Maybe he would train them in the three circles or, or, or in uh, faith or, or in the four spiritual laws or, or something like that, but that's not what Jesus does. Or look, look at verse 1. He says, after this, the Lord appointed 72, and he sent them on ahead of them two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. see, when you've encountered Jesus, you're ready to make disciples. Now, one of the things that's encouraging here is their job wasn't to make people believe. Jesus doesn't tell them, go into every town that you find and reach 50 people. He doesn't go and say, go into every town that you come to and save anyone. No, he says, go go into every town. (laughs) He sends them out because he's going to come behind them. This is encouraging. Their job wasn't to make people believe. Their job was to tell. It was Jesus' job to save. See, the same is true today. Our job isn't to convince anyone to believe the gospel. Our job isn't to save anyone. Our job is to be obedient. Uh, Our job is to be obedient in sharing the gospel that has saved us and that has changed us. Jesus doesn't give us a quota uh, for how many we must reach. He just calls us to faithful obedience. Now, now notice he, he doesn't send them out alone. How does he send them? He sends them out two by two. Now, commentators, they kind of speculate on why two by two. Uh, there are some that say, well, uh, this is kind of a, a hint, uh, a nod back to the Old Testament uh, because you needed two witnesses, and so these are two witnesses that are going, and they could witness against these communities if these communities failed to believe. And, and I think that could be, there could be something there. But I think that it's actually a little more obvious. I think that the reason sent, he sent out these believers, these followers two by two, is because he knew that they would lack faith. He knew that they would lack courage. He knew that they would struggle to keep enduring. And so what does he do? He sends them out together. He doesn't say, hey, go be Lone Ranger's. Right? It, it probably might have felt like he could have covered more ground had he just sent one here and one here and one here and one here. Right? I, I, I'm experiencing this in my life right now. Uh, every day I get a knock on the door, and it's someone trying to sell me solar panels. Right? And, uh, and, and they, they don't come together. Right, It's one by one by one by one, right? Because they can cover more ground. They can cover more territory that way. But Jesus says, no, I, I want you to go out two by two. Because he knew that, that these 72, just like us today, they would need encouragement. right They would need strengthening, they would need stamina. And see when we go together, we remind each other of the gospel and we remind each other of Jesus who sends us. See, it's easy for me to just sit in my own just kind of junk, right where maybe I, I share the gospel with someone and it doesn't go the way that I expect it to and and it's tempting for me to just sit there and think about all of the wrong things that I did or all of the wrong things that they said, right? If, if they were just a little smarter, they would understand what I'm saying, right? Or, or if I was just a little quicker, I would have been able to, to, to communicate what I was trying to say. I would have been able to answer their questions. But one of the best things for me is whenever I share the gospel with someone and they don't believe, and then I'm able to share that with someone else, and they encourage me to keep pressing on right, to keep going, to keep moving. And so Jesus, he, he sends these disciples out two by two, and this is still how Jesus sends us out today. See, we go on mission. We go to our neighbors together. We go to the world together. See, the, the mission of Jesus, it's for all of us. It's not just for the really spiritual. It's, it's not just for... Uh, the really committed. No, the mission of Jesus is for every disciple of Jesus. You know, we we've just been celebrating sending Jared and Amy Mincham to the nations. They they've just been commissioned. They've just gone with the International Mission Board, which I am excited about. Right there, pray for them. They've been in Mexico for a couple weeks. They're in language school, and then uh, over the next year, they'll be transitioning to where uh, their assignment will be in South America. I'm excited about Jared and Amy Mitchum answering the call to go to the nations. I'm just as excited whenever I hear stories about believers here answering the call to go to their neighbors. Right? That we have all been called to go to our neighbors. Maybe some of us are or maybe you're wrestling with that call. Should I go to the nations? Should I lay it all on the line? Should I sacrifice all that I have? Should I go be a missionary? In my hope, I pray regularly that the Lord would raise up an army of missionaries out of Central. But maybe before you ask that question, maybe the question you need to ask is, how can I go to my neighbors? How can I reach my neighbors with the gospel of Jesus? See, this mission is for the entire church. This is what we have to be about. There's a lot of things that Central can be about. But if we're not about the mission of reaching our neighbors and the nations with the good gospel of Jesus Christ, then we've missed the boat. We can spend our time, we can spend our energy, we can spend our effort running after all of these other things. And they may be good, but it's a sin to be good when God has called us to do great things right? It's a sin to focus on good things when we've been called to do great things, and great things are carrying the gospel to those who need to hear it, those who need to believe. See, if we're not careful, we end up with the Yamaha effect. Maybe you're familiar with Yamaha Corporation. They make pianos, guitars, drums, keyboards, network devices, factory equipment, golf products, boats, motorcycles, four-wheelers, generators, amplifiers, and more. So if you ask me, what does Yamaha do? I would tell you, I have no idea, right? I I don't know, are are they a motorcycle company? Are they an instrument company? I don't know what they do, but here's what I do know, is that we have been given one commission, right? We have been given one commission, and that commission is to make disciples of our neighbors and the nations, right? It's to go into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching all that I have commanded. And do you know what the first step in going to the entire world is? It's going across the street, It's crossing the property line. It's going to wherever your neighbors may be. Maybe it's going to the baseball field and talking to that other baseball mom or that other baseball dad. Maybe it's at work, walking across the hallway or walking across the room or or whatever it may be. We all have been called to do this and this is the one thing The one thing that we as a church have to be about, this is why we're putting it all on the line to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches because we want to reach our neighbors. We want to reach the nations. And so here we see in Luke 10 that we've been sent to share next. We see this, that we have been sent to pray. We've been sent to our neighbors, but we have been sent to pray. Now, sometimes we think that we've got to pray before we do the work. But here's what I want you to know this morning. Prayer is the work. That We don't pray to prepare what we're going to do. No, we pray because if we don't pray, the work doesn't happen. If we don't pray, then our work is worthless. Our work is futile, so prayer is the work. Look at verse 2. Jesus, he calls us to pray. We read, and he said to them, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Notice what Jesus calls us to pray. He doesn't call us to pray that we would be effective, although I think that's a good prayer to pray. He doesn't call us to pray for opportunities, even though I think we should. He doesn't call us to pray for the right words, even though I think it's a valuable prayer to pray. Those are all good things to pray. Instead, he gives us one specific prayer to pray, more workers. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would raise up more workers. Now, he says this harvest is plentiful. This is agricultural language. Jesus lived in an agricultural society. He's telling the disciples that the seed has been planted, it's been watered, it's been fertilized, it has grown, it's healthy, it is ready to be harvested. He sends them out telling them that the harvest is ready and that this harvest, the way that this is worded, the harvest isn't just ready. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is abundant. It's written in a way so that Jesus is telling the disciples that the harvest is more than you can handle. And there's the problem. The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. The harvest is great, but no one wants to work. There are people that the Lord will save, but few of them are doing the work to get the gospel to them. He's saying, look, 72, that's a lot, but that's not enough. That's not nearly enough. Now, you you might say, well, Ethan, if, if God is powerful... God is great, God is good. Why doesn't he just save them without sending us? Why doesn't God just save, why does he need us? Well, God doesn't need us. He he doesn't need you, he he doesn't need me. But, But know this, that God never brings about an ends without a means. And the means that in his wisdom he has decided to use is you and me. So maybe the question isn't why doesn't God just save? Maybe the question is, since God is willing to save and He's able to use us, why wouldn't we go? What's holding us back from walking across the street or from starting that conversation? So when Jesus has said that this harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Well, well what's the answer to raising up more laborers? It's prayer. Workers aren't raised up through guilt or persuasion. Jesus doesn't say, look, go, go find those others who don't want to go and let them know just how bad they are. All right, let them know what terrible Christians they are. Let them know what terrible disciples. That's not what he says. He says, look, if we need more workers and we know we need more workers, then we need to pray for the workers. See, understand this, the, the problem with our world today it's not lostness it's prayerlessness the problem with the world today isn't that there are too many lost people the problem with the world today is that there's too many saved people who aren't trying to find anyone and aren't praying that more would be raised up to go the problem isn't that people are too lost the problem is that we don't pray Now notice who the Lord calls to pray here. Those who are already laboring. So what this means is that you might be sitting in here this morning and you might be an answer to this prayer. See, he he calls people who are already at work. Jesus doesn't tell us to pray for others to take the gospel to our neighbors. No, he tells those who are already going to pray for more who would go. Warren Wearsby, he he said this about this verse. He says, Too many Christians are praying for somebody else to do a job they are unwilling to do themselves. So if we're going to pray this prayer that the Lord would raise up workers for the harvest, then, then what that means is that we've got to be workers. We've got to be about our Father's business. We've got to be about reaping the harvest that is there for the taking. It's been interesting this week to see just how much our world believes in prayer, isn't it? One of the things, if you've been paying attention, even if you're not a sports fan, last Monday night, we saw DeMar Hamlin, the number three for the Buffalo Bills. He went down, went into cardiac arrest on the field They rushed, and immediately, I wasn't even watching the game, but I opened up social media, and I started seeing people say things like, "Um, I've never been sick to my stomach watching a football game, but now I am, and I'm praying for number three. I'm praying for this person. I'm praying for that person. Even people who, friends of mine who I know would not consider themselves believers, I know they wouldn't consider themselves Christians or even really religious, they're talking about praying for <laughs> Hamlin. They're talking about praying for DeMar. And what I thought was interesting is no one was sending thoughts. Right? They were praying. If you find out that I'm sick, I don't need your thoughts. <laughs> I need your prayers. <laughs> As we watch, if you watch the news, right? People are talking about I'm praying for him I'm praying for him even Dan Orlovsky, he prayed on air and I, I was clapping as he was praying right because he's sharing the gospel as he was praying apparently our world believes in the power of prayer here's the question do we believe in the power of prayer do we believe that if we pray for workers that the Lord will raise them up or maybe here's the question we believe if we pray that the Lord would give us a heart for the harvest that he really will right have you ever prayed that prayer Lord give me a heart for lost people Lord give me a heart to share the gospel Lord give me a heart for those who are far from you I, I believe that when we pray that prayer the Lord answers that prayer that's a dangerous prayer to pray Because the Lord's going to grant it, right? He's going to answer that prayer. So we've been sent to share, we've been sent to pray, and finally we see this, that we have been sent to endure. See, in verse 2, Jesus has essentially guaranteed the success of the mission. But he doesn't promise that it will be easy. Look at verse 3. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs into the midst of wolves. I wonder if Jesus said that and someone said amen Jesus right like thank you for the encouragement Th- thank you for that he he tells the 72 he, he literally says to be on the move there's no time to wait the end of Luke nine had highlighted this urgency right into verse 10 he says the mission is urgent but here's the thing about the mission not only is it urgent but it's not easy either verse three it ends with this startling statement from Jesus he's he's sending them is lambs into the midst of wolves so in verses two and three we've got two guarantees about this mission that jesus is sending us on the harvest is plentiful and it will not be easy he says there's going to be great opposition in fact he prepares them for this opposition look with me at verse four Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you that it will be more bearable on on that day for Sodom than for that town. See, what Jesus is saying, he's saying there's an urgency about this mission. So you go and if you can't get a hearing, you keep going. But remember, who's coming behind them? Jesus right? So it's not as if Jesus is saying, hey, if they won't listen, you just leave and bad luck for them. No, Jesus says, you go, you prepare them. That's what they've been given. They've been given a ministry of preparation. You go, you tell them that the Messiah has come, and if they won't listen, you keep going. And Jesus says, you keep going, because what that town is about to find out is that the Messiah has come, right? That the Messiah is here, that Jesus the Christ has come to them see jesus he he wants us to be prepared for opposition we we shouldn't have a a sugar-coated view of reaching our neighbors he's sharing the gospel it isn't always easy and jesus doesn't shy away from that fact this is what i love about jesus jesus deals with the real world he he doesn't say hey if if you're gonna share the gospel with your neighbor neighbors then everything's gonna be easy he, he doesn't say, if you'll go share the gospel with lost people, then, then you're going to see this great harvest, this great reward. I, the, the first time I ever preached, I, I preached, I, I gave an invitation, and one 13-year-old boy trusted Christ. I saw that, and I thought, I'm the next Billy Graham. <laughs> like, like he, the Lord is reaping the harvest right before me. I'm here to tell you that's not always the case, right? The the, the Lord doesn't, he doesn't promise that, that this is going to be easy, but what he does promise is that it's worth it. And it's worth it because when we're on mission, we're on mission with Jesus. When we're on mission, we're not going to our neighbors by ourselves. The Mitchums, they're not going to the nations by themselves. They're going with Jesus. And I can't imagine anyone who's better to go with. So remember who it is that sends us. It's Jesus. So he he sends us into this world as lambs in the midst of wolves, but he's not sending us to see who can survive. He's not sending to see who's the fittest or, or who has it in them to make this work. No, he, he sends us so that we can see his power and his grace at work. That as we share the gospel, as we live on mission, that, that others, we will see people come to faith, hopefully, and we'll get to see God's power and grace at work. But even if we don't, I can tell you that some of the most encouraging times of sharing the gospel are when people say no because I say things that I didn't know to say. Right, I say things that I, I had never thought before. I, I quote scripture that I didn't know that I had memorized, and if I had to say it again, I would fail. Right? I, I wouldn't be able to do it. But in that moment, God's grace and God's power is at work, not just in the person who we're sharing the gospel with, but also in the person who is sharing the gospel. Right? That, that as we share the gospel, that is a means of us experiencing God's grace. It's a means of us experiencing God's power at work within us. See, he says, I'm sending you out is lambs in the midst of wolves. And that's scary. But our commitment to go ultimately reflects our trust in the one who sends us. Do we trust that Jesus is good? Do we trust that Jesus is powerful? Do we trust that he is in control? We're really careful not to misunderstand this verse. Jesus isn't saying that he's sending us out as lambs and our neighbors are the wolves. He's not saying that, that he's sending us out as lambs and that every person who is yet to believe is the wolf. This was a common metaphor for adversarial situations, but something we need to remember is what paul tells us in ephesians 6 that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood our enemy is not our neighbor our enemy is not that person who is yet to believe our enemy isn't the person with the coexist bumper sticker on the back of their car our enemy is the prince of the power of the air Our enemy isn't satanic. Our enemy is Satan. The wolf isn't your neighbor. The wolf is the devil who steals, kills, and destroys. But here's the thing: Satan who steals, kills, and destroys, but God is greater. That Jesus, Jesus has bound the strong man. Jesus has gone into the grave. He has risen victorious over sin and over death. And now we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. Instead, we have everything to give. We can give it all for Jesus because we know that at the end of it, we win. Right? At the end of it, we get Jesus. See, Jesus, he, he doesn't promise ease. He doesn't promise safety. But he does promise victory. He, he doesn't promise that multiplying disciples and leaders in churches is going to be easy but he promises that at the end of the day if we've been faithfully obedient then we get him we get victory it's hard but it's worth it maybe you made a new year's resolution this year Maybe you made a New Year's resolution this year, and you've already broken the resolution, right? You've already stopped it. Maybe maybe your resolution was to not drink Coke Zero anymore, and you made it to 3 o'clock on New Year's Day, and you drank Coke Zero. Maybe your resolution was that you're going to drink more water, or you're going to read this, or you're going to do that. You know, we only make resolutions about things that are hard. We don't make resolutions about things that are easy, right? No one makes a New Year's resolution that says, you know what? I'm going to spend a little more time watching TV this year. I'm going to spend a little more time wasting time. I'm going to spend a little more time trying to put on that five pounds that I lost over Christmas, right? No one one makes those resolutions. We make hard resolutions because we know this, that hard work is worth it. Right, anything worth doing is hard. We also know is that the reward is greater when we do things that are hard. It's the same is true with the mission that Jesus has given us to our neighbors and the nations. Anything worth doing is hard. But the great thing about this mission is that we're not doing it alone. We're not even doing it in our own power. Right? No, we go with he goes before, he comes behind. Jesus. So we've been sent to our neighbors. That's that's the constant theme of the gospels. Is that you and I have been sent. We could you could exchange neighbor for coworker or friend or family member. Maybe for some of you your neighbor is your husband or your wife. Maybe that's who you've been sent to. We've all been sent. And for us this morning, you have, I have, we have been sent, we have been commissioned to our neighbors. And and we don't want to just talk about going to our neighbors. We want to be serious about going to our neighbors. And we want to help you be serious about making disciples of your neighbors, about sharing the gospel, showing, showing and sharing the love of Jesus with your neighbors. And so we put some things together for you. So uh, up on the screen, there's a, a QR code. Uh, everyone, if you have a phone, go ahead and pull your phone out, all right? If you don't pull your phone out, uh, we're judging you, okay? Um, I'm just playing, but only mostly, all right? Uh, pull your phone out and scan that QR code. That QR code is going to take you to a page on our website. If you, you don't want to scan the QR code, you can go to gocentralchurch.org slash neighbor. Remember uh, that it's E-I, not I-E, uh, because English is weird, right? Uh, you can go to gocentralchurch.org slash neighbor, and on that website, you're going to find some resources. We're going to keep updating this website, updating this webpage over the next several weeks with resources for you uh, to be able to love your neighbors well. So one of the things I think is really great on there is there, there's an app that you can download that helps you know your neighbors a little better. There's some books that you can buy if you're a reader to, to read about how can I be a better neighbor, the art of neighboring, what does that look like? And then also at the bottom, there's a form. There's a form just asking for your name and your phone number, and what that is is that we wanna call the church to be serious about prayer, to be serious about this Luke 10-2 prayer. So here's what we're gonna do: every day for the next week, we're gonna call the church to pray this Luke 10-2 prayer together at 10.02. That every day we wanna be praying together, we wanna to be aiming our arrows together. Asking that the Lord would raise up workers for the harvest right here at Central. So you put your name and your phone number in there. We're not going to spam you. Instead, you're going to get a text every day at 10 o'clock. A.M., not (laughs) P.M. Some of you got nervous. We're going to send a text at 10 o'clock reminding you to pray with us. Reminding you to, to stop and to pray. It doesn't have to be a long prayer, but just, Lord, raise up workers for the harvest at Central and make me one of them. Lord, raise up workers for the harvest at Central and make me one of them. And maybe you use that as a time to to spend just praying for your neighbor. Maybe you don't know who your neighbor is. Maybe you spend some time just asking the Lord to open the door for you to talk with your neighbor, to pray with your neighbor. Now, maybe, maybe this morning, maybe this morning you're the neighbor. Maybe you were invited here this morning by a friend, by a neighbor. Maybe you just have found yourself in this room this morning, and maybe you're not even exactly sure how you got here. I'm gonna believe that you're here today to encounter Jesus Christ, or that you are here today, you've been brought into this place today. Because this Jesus that we've been talking about who has sent people into the world, that one of those disciples has come to you and has brought you in. Or maybe because Jesus works like this sometimes, maybe Jesus has gone into the world and maybe he's brought you in. Maybe you were driving by this morning and you just decided, you know what, I'm need, i gonna turn into that place. I'm gonna turn into that church. I hear stories like that uh, monthly about people who are driving by and just decided no planes to come in, just decided to pull in. So I've started praying, right? Maybe that's you. Maybe you're an answer to my prayer. I pray every Sunday, Lord, send people here who have no intention of being here. Maybe you're here this morning so that you can hear the gospel and be saved. what is the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus Christ, he was born of a virgin, fully God and fully man, and that he lived a perfect life, a perfectly perfect life without sin. He was tempted, but he never sinned, not even once that's the life that you and I were called to live. We were called to live a life of perfection. We were called to live a, a life of holiness, but we couldn't do it. See, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That all, that's me, that's you, that's all of us. We all have sinned. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. When we say we've sinned, it just means that we've missed God's mark. We've missed the, the point. We've missed his standard. And so We've missed the standard, and what the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. It means that because we have sinned, we've separated ourselves from God. We have become enemies of God. There's now enmity between us and between God because he's a holy God, and he can't allow sin into his presence. And so, if left to our own, we deserve hell. We deserve punishment. But because God is good and he's gracious, He didn't leave us there. At the right time, Christ came. And he lived that perfect life that we talked about, but that's not all he did. He, He lived the life that we should have lived, but then he took the punishment that we deserved. That on the cross, Jesus died a sinner's death. That all of God's wrath for sin was poured out on him so that it wouldn't have to be poured out on me or on you. Jesus died on that cross, he was buried and he rose from the grave three days later. And when he rose from the grave, he conquered sin and he conquered death. And now he offers that victory. He offers that forgiveness to anyone and everyone who will believe. And so if you have yet to trust Christ, if you've yet to put your faith in the resurrected Son of God, then today is the day for you to do that. Today is the day for you to experience life and forgiveness that only Jesus can give. And the way you do that is by putting your trust, giving your heart to Jesus, by saying, you know what, I'm done trying to earn it. I'm done trying to do it on my own. Instead, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to lay all that I have down at his feet. I'm going to take all that he gives. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy today. Lord, thank you for the gospel that has saved us and the gospel that sends us. And Father, I pray for those who are here today who have yet to trust you, who have yet to believe the gospel. Father, I I pray that today would be the day that they do that. Father, I pray that today would be the day that they stop trying to do it on their own. They stop trying to earn it, and instead they they lay their lives down at the feet of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would arrest their hearts, that you would overcome their will, and Father, that you would help them to see that your, your grace is good, and that your grace is available. You are listening to the Central Church Podcast. To learn more about Central Church, including our gathering times, please visit GoCentralChurch.org. Today's talk comes from Pastor Ethan Crowder.